Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, I don't know if it struck you, but uh, the first thing that struck me when I looked, uh, read today's passage was that they take place against the backdrop of the midday sun. Does anyone remember what the midday sun is? In case you've forgotten what it is, the midday sun is that large circle in the sky that gives out heat and light and was last seen in this land about seven weeks ago. But unlike the midday sun here this summer, which has been stubbornly hidden behind a series of never-ending storm clouds, the heat from the midday sun that day when Jesus was walking on that path from Jerusalem to Galilee would have been absolutely sweltering. So Jesus stops by this um, well in a town in Samaria. So far, so ordinary, or so it seems. Except that by the traditions of the time, Jesus wasn't supposed to be hanging around in Samaria because Jews at that time traditionally considered Samarians as being outcasts and would often have deliberately gone out of their way to take the long road back and forth to Galilee by traveling on the eastern side of the Jordan River just to avoid the land of Samaria. So Jesus, by normal standards, was not meant to be where he was that day. But that's all the more important, because Jesus' encounter with the Samaritan woman by a well was no ordinary encounter. This was a God-ordained encounter, and it has, I believe, many lessons for us today. In the accounts that we've looked at over the last few weeks together of all of these encounters between Jesus and individual people, and in all of the conversations that we've heard about taking place in and through these encounters, I believe that the Lord has been reminding us in recent weeks of some hugely important truths. Two weeks ago, we were reminded of the importance of being still, when all around us in our lives and in our world seems like chaos. And we recalled how Jesus called Martha away from the distraction of all that was going on around her in that wonderful, beautiful, tender call of his, my dear Martha, you're worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. And that, of course, was her relationship with him. And last week, Alistair reminded us that Jesus called Zacchaeus from a life of worldly possessions into a life of salvation and grace-filled generosity, saying to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately from this tree. I must stay at your house today. While all of these stories are different in lots of ways, what unites them with the story of the Samaritan woman at the well that we read this morning, is that in each case, Jesus made time for the people that he was encountering. He made time for Martha. 
He made time for Zacchaeus. He made time for the woman at the well. He had come with this mission to carry out on earth, and yet we see him making time for individual people, purposefully seeking them out, calling them away from their focus on the world around them, and telling them individually that they must remember to focus on their relationship with him, that relationship that is the only source of peace and purpose that they and any of us will ever need in our lives. And he calls them by name, individually by name, because he knows all about their individual situations. He knows about the complexity of their lives. He knows about the mess of their lives. And he knows that in different ways, what all of these people have done is to focus on the things of the world rather than on him, and that that decision is robbing them of life. God is reminding us this summer that he sees us when we end up, as we will do from time to time, in similar situations. And yet the great hope of all of these stories that we have been reading together is that God will not just leave us in that place of lifelessness. He will come and he will seek us out from them. To this day, we do not know the name of the woman at the well. She is simply referred to as the Samaritan woman at the well. We do not need to know her name. The point is that God knows her name. And God knew all about her individual circumstances. And God's love for her was so great that he was not prepared to leave her as she was. This nameless woman at the well, I believe, is very deliberately described without any name in the passage that day. Because burdened, searching, and yet searching in all the wrong places, she could almost be any one of us at various moments in our lives. It's an awful place to get into. But Jesus will find a way, and he will find the time to call us out of that and to call us into his compassion and his mercy and his life-giving grace. And yet the lesson of the passage is that if we are to receive all that Jesus has for us, all of that life-giving grace and energy and love and purpose that he has for us, then we will have to do something. And the thing that we will have to do is to turn our focus and to shift our priorities so that our relationship with him is the very first thing in all of our lives. Sometimes I think we can find it hard to do that for various reasons. And it might be that we find it hard to turn from all of the things of the world and to turn to him completely because of something in our past or something in our present, something that holds us back, some sense of guilt or some sense of shame something that means that we keep thinking that we aren't somehow good enough to receive all that God has for us. 
But the point that God makes to us through this story of the Samaritan woman at the well is that he knows all about our past, and he knows all about our present, and he doesn't want to leave us in these situations. He doesn't want our past to define us. He doesn't want our past to be the central story or the central chapter in our stories. He wants His forgiveness and His grace and His transformation that He brings in our lives to be the central chapter in all of our stories so that the old is gone, the former things are completely gone and cannot hold us back, and we are left in a position where we can experience the newness of life that He promises us. When that lone woman walked up to the well that day, and when she walked up to it day after day after day in her life, she felt the hatred of the people in that town upon her. Their judgment, their condemnation. But that is not how Jesus looked at her. And that is not how Jesus looks at any of us. Because Jesus knew her, and Jesus knows us in a way that only God knows the children that He creates. And He calls us into faith in Him so that He can take away those terrible burdens that trap us in remorse and shame and worthlessness and rob us of dignity and rob us of life. As the story unfolds, we get to learn that the Samaritan woman has been married five times, was living with yet another man, but Jesus knew that all along. And yet he still didn't turn up to her to condemn her. He turned up to offer her hope. He turned up to offer her newness of life. He turned up to tell her that all of these bad decisions and the shameful reputation that followed her everywhere she went and the pain of chasing acceptance from all of the wrong people in all of the wrong ways at all of the wrong places did not have to be the defining feature of who she was. And so it is with us today. Because this passage from God's Word tells us that Jesus is not fazed by our sin. He is sovereign. He knows all about our past. He knows all about our present. And yet He still pursues us and still loves us and still seeks to reconcile us to the Father in spite of anything we have done. That is not to say that sin is without cost, of course. Far from it. This whole story points us forward to the cross, where Jesus himself was willing to pay that cost for our bad decisions and all of our sin by shedding his blood and enduring immense suffering on our behalf so that we would have a way to move beyond the bad decisions of our past and to know that all of that is wiped clean and to insist instead that we might experience freedom and joy and peace in our very souls. Paul puts it like this in his letter to the Romans in chapter 5. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. All we have to do is turn to him. All we have to do is accept his forgiveness 
and receive that gift of grace, that life-giving water that is described in today's reading. But what is life-giving water? Well, Jesus went on to say in his ministry, recorded just a few chapters later in John's gospel, he said this, if anyone is thirsty, let them come to me and drink. Those who believe in me, as scripture said, from their inmost being will flow rivers of living water. What Jesus meant by that and what he went on to show with the outpouring and the gift of the Holy Spirit was that when we turn to him, we will be filled with the Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit summed up here in the metaphor of water that is the source of life that sustains us, that reminds us of God's presence with us, that guides us to keep following the path of life that will take us through every trial and every confusion and every doubt and every worry and every illness and every infirmity and even through death itself into eternal life in the new heaven and the new earth. The Samaritan woman thought she was going to the right place day after day after day in her life for life-giving vitality, but she wasn't. And it's so easy for us to end up in exactly that situation. So often in life, we can waste so much time, years and years and years of our life even, looking in all the wrong places for all the things that we think we need to sustain us in life. Why? Because we live in this world where our culture has planted around us all sorts of wells. And it has told us that we will get nowhere and we will achieve nothing and we will be nobodies unless we draw from all of these other wells. The well of commercialism, the well of selfish desire, the well of personal ambition, the well of past success, the well of popularity, the well of self-image, the well of social media, the well of our talents. These are the sources of contentment and identity and security and peace and hope and meaning the world tells us Keep drawing from them, and somehow you'll be all right. Jesus says, I'm not interested in any of these wells, and neither should you be. And more than that, if you start spending too much time looking for the source of life in any of these wells, you will run dry on living water. You will grow spiritually parched. You will start to feel lifeless. And yet, and yet, these are the very moments in our lives when we will just sense that God intervenes, as He does with the Samaritan woman, when He will draw alongside us and invite us back to the source of real life. But here's the thing. The wells of life all of these sources in the world from which we are tricked into thinking that we get purpose and approval and meaning, these are very powerful forces. And so we won't always want to hear what Jesus says to us when he calls us away from them, because it is not easy to escape from powerful forces. And so we might struggle, but he will keep calling us back. And he will use circumstances 
to bring us back. And those circumstances might be difficult circumstances that we have to go through in life in order to respond to God's call to bring us back to the well of life. And because of that, we might find ourselves getting angry with Jesus when he calls us away from all of these false wells around us that seem to give us so much pleasure. But remember this, he calls us away from them, not to rob us of life or deny us any life. He calls us away from them because he loves us. He calls us away from them because he pursues us because of the mess that we get ourselves into. And he says, I know you like no one else knows you, and I haven't, and I will never give up on you because you matter, and you matter too much for me to let you going on day after day in your life, trying to derive energy from all of these false wells. Jesus says, I created you to enjoy life in all of its fullness, a life of dignity, a life of contentment, a life in which you know the protection and confidence that comes from just knowing that God is with you and you're brought back into relationship with him. We get to this place, I think, every so often in our lives where we think we've got it all figured out. And so we keep drawing from those wells that we think are marked success. And then we learn, and sometimes we learn painfully, that they are fakes. Because the results never last. The thirst returns. We are not content. And deep down, we just know that these are empty holes that leave us spiritually parched, wilted, longing in the very depths of our soul for something much more satisfying. I think God has been at work in our lives and the life of this church in recent weeks, calling us deeper and deeper into relationship with him this summer, calling us to turn from the distractions of the world and in stillness, inviting us to place or to replace all of our trust in him. That has been the thread connecting Martha to Zacchaeus, to the Samaritan woman at the well, and now today to us. That we need to place ourselves completely in God's hands so that we are sustained by living water in these days ahead and for these times that we live in. Pete Gregg, the well-known author, pastor, founder of the 24-7 prayer movement, sense the Lord saying something similar to him this week. And he wrote this. Surveying the chaos of contemporary culture and the crisis of leadership in the universal church, I am increasingly convinced that the quiet, remote disciplines of prayer and pilgrimage Silence and solitude, far from being extraneous to modern life, are urgently, startlingly essential. I think we ought to take that message seriously. 
I think we ought to be careful about falling into the patterns of contemporary culture. I think we need increasingly to be those who check that in all that we do, we are prioritizing and deepening our relationship with Jesus, who came not to condemn us, but came to give us life in all of its fullness, to pour out His grace and His mercy uh, into every single one of our lives. That is the path that He wants us to be on. And so I want to end this morning with a verse and with an invitation and potentially with a challenge for all of us individually, but for us corporately as the body of Christ in this place, a verse that has kept coming to mind over these last weeks as we've reflected on all of these stories and all of these encounters that Jesus has had with various individuals. And it's from Romans 12, where God says to us, do not copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for the story of the Samaritan woman at the well, Lord, and just for the reminder that it gives us when we read it of the fact that you meet us in these moments uh, in our lives, Lord, where we stray to these various wells looking for purpose and satisfaction and meaning and looking for our very identity uh, in those places that are actually robbing us uh, of life. And Lord, we thank you for the reminder of the story this morning that this woman by the well, this woman with no name who could almost be any of us, Lord, that you meet us in those moments in our lives and with outstretched arms, you meet us with your grace not to condemn us, uh, but to invite us back into those paths uh, that will lead us to newness of life and to fullness of life, Lord. And Lord, we know it's in your love that you call us. And so, Father, for anyone here today who just senses that you're calling them from a path and a, a particular well that they are going to day after day after day that is not good, uh, Lord, we just pray that you would meet with them in, in a spirit of living water today, that they would feel your spirit just washing over them, Lord, and they just know that you're speaking to them and inviting them and encouraging them and loving them back onto that path of life uh, and life in all of its fullness. And Lord, we recognize that it is so difficult and so challenging in this world that we live in, in this culture uh, that sucks us in just to step away from these very, very powerful forces that try to trick us into thinking that they will give us our identity and our meaning and, and, and a real sense of worth, Lord. But today we declare that we know that you are the only one who gives us any sense of worth. And you, Lord, by filling us with those living waters of your Holy Spirit are the only one and the only source that fills our very souls with peace, with love, and with purpose that allows us to go through life and to say 
in complete serenity and complete confidence, no matter what comes our way, that I am a child of God. So today we simply thank you, Lord. We thank you for your grace and we thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen.